time for a PBFG quick hitter. Hi, and welcome to a quick hitter. I'm your host, Alex, and I'm here with our on-air talent, Joe. It finally fucking happened. We have we have clarity. You know what? It never sounded so good. I, it never sounded so good, but did it sound great? Like, okay, everybody knows we're Baker truthers. Like, I, I get it. Get your jokes out. We want to see him succeed because we think that he is good and deserves to, right? Do you feel better about the prospects of that happening today than you did, say, a month or two ago? I mean, obviously, yes, because he had as a inside track to starting. Like if he doesn't start for Carolina, it's a big issue. Um, and he was never going to play for the Browns again. So he at least has a shot to play. I mean, I don't think it's the best situation of the ones that were floated, but he, he should be starting and he should get a full season to kind of re up his value and show what he can do when he doesn't have a bunch of injuries. Yeah. I, like I could nitpick and I will for the rest of this pod and Baker does doesn't look right in powder blue. Um, he doesn't. The Panthers have great uniforms. They're not for Baker. But he's in a scenario where he at least arguably has the best receiving weapons he's ever had in the NFL, which is terrifying and sad. And uh, unfortunately, he's in a tougher division now than he used to be. But I think that he's in a scenario where he can at the very least prove he deserves to continue starting. I agree with you. I mean, I think he, it's not going to be easy for him, but if he's the guy that we think he is, then he should have success. Exactly. He might not even win a lot of games, but if he's the guy we think he is, his stats should at least look pretty decent. And that should lead to enough success to show that he's a middle 10 quarterback in the NFL, like, you know, between 10 and 30 or between 10 and 20 rather. And, uh, and because of that, he should get another shot somewhere, at least in theory. Um, let's, uh, what do you say we dig into actually like the scenario he's fallen into with the Panthers roster wise? Yeah, let's jump in. I mean, you already talked about the receiving options. I feel like that's a fun one to start with. Yeah. I mean, dude, we're going from bare fucking coffers with the Browns the last couple of years to like, I'm not insinuating that any of these guys are necessarily superstars, but fuck, they're so much deeper. Like you've got a lot of receivers who belong in the NFL. Whereas with the Browns, you had two, um, like watching Browns games. He might not have gotten that amount of playing time, and apparently he was a real fucking head case off the field. But you and I agreed, Rashard Higgins is probably the best Browns receiver over the last three years. He was easily the most consistent. I mean, he pissed in everyone's Cheerios because he never get on the field despite being successful. He's arguably the fourth or fifth best receiver on this roster. Yeah, he's going to struggle to find playing. Which is fine because, like, I mean, okay, we'll start with DJ Moore. He was one of your draft darlings in 2018. I love DJ Moore. I will give you the floor to just rave about DJ Moore because you, I didn't like him at first. You sold me on him and you were right. Yeah, I mean, I I saw people that kind of compared him a little bit to Steve Smith Sr. because he's not super tall, but he's just a thick dude that is still incredibly fast so he's runs around like a running back with that kind of strength and movement but he's still really quick and could run good routes he was incredibly productive in college at a bad school playing pretty good teams though and i don't know i just liked him a lot i thought he had all the tools that you needed and he had some of that special uh special stuff in his strength that would elevate him into being a really good receiver and i don't think he's had the best opportunities with his quarterbacks but ideally that should change this year as he's kind of rounding into you know maybe not his peak but he's getting into that time where he's not a a young guy figuring out the nfl i think that a really good comparison for dj moore's game is uh what people think that debo samuel is because he is like debo samuel is 
not that fast. He's very slippery. He's very elusive. He's great with the ball in his hands. DJ Moore is actually that fast, and he's still that slippery, and he's really good with the ball in his hands. He's one of the best yak receivers in the entire NFL, except DJ Moore actually knows how to run routes and catch the ball, whereas Debo does not. Um, so I think this guy's the limit for DJ Moore. He's got some inside outside versatility. I think he's best in the slot. And I'm going to use that as an amazing segue because I'm so well planned. I think that the key is going to be Terrence Marshall, who is going to be their third receiver. But I think the Panthers are going to be a little unorthodox. I think DJ Moore will mostly play slot in three receiver sets. I think Terrence Marshall, despite being the third option, will kick out to the X. And I think that that's an awesome thing for the Panthers because it puts DJ Moore in a position to eat because that, that agility that he has and that after the catch ability, it's going to be exacerbated in the slot, right? Like you get those two way goes, you can in and out option. Like it opens He's up the good over the middle of the field too. Yeah. No, it being in the slot really allows DJ more to leverage the fact that he's quicker than everybody. He can go any direction. Whereas if you're on the sideline, you're a little bit inhibited. You can't really break out that far because you're on the sideline. Um, this is why it's so much harder to be a slot defender than it is to be a boundary corner. Like it's a different thing. You might not go against as good of players, but it's a different game because every direction is available. It's like guarding a queen in chess versus a rook. Um, so having DJ Moore on the inside is going to be key and it's going to be enabled by Terrence Marshall going outside. Terrence Marshall out of LSU, he had a slow first year. I don't fucking blame him. His quarterbacks were Sam Darnold, the corpse of what used to be the corpse of Cam Newton, and PJ slash Philip Walker. Uh, I'm I'm gonna give the rookie a pass on not producing super well with that cast. Um, but coming out of LSU, I really liked his game. I thought he was really well rounded. Um, I don't think he's good. I don't think he's great, but I think he could be a serviceable X like a, a second option X because he's big and strong. He's got pretty decent ball skills. He's actually a little inconsistent at the catch point, but he will make some highlight reel catches. He's tall. He's got a pretty good vertical and he's fairly athletic. So comps for him are a lesser athletic Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, I compared him pretty favorably to like a Ruben Randall back in the day. I don't know if you remember when everybody kept on trying to make Ruben Randall happen. It was never going to happen. Ruben Randall was still a useful third option X. And that's like, that, that's what I think Terrence Marshall will be. Yeah, and he's still young. I think he's 22 yeah. uh, going into his second year. So you knew that like he's not necessarily coming in as a polished guy that's played a ton of games in college. I liked him for his deep ball ability, like some of what you were talking about, where he did it a little bit at LSU. He's not going to like really outrun people, but he's good at the catch point, and he just seemed to have a good feel for getting downfield. And if you're using him as an X, that's a really good spot for him, especially when he doesn't have to have a bunch of pressure on him when you have DJ Moore and McCaffrey kind of drawing people in near the line of scrimmage. Well, and I, I, that was a perfect segue because I think that Robbie Anderson is going to be another key to this offense. You know, your offense is in a good spot when every wide receiver is going to be a key to the offense. Like that's kind of a nice place to be in. They they're very complimentary pieces. And while none of like DJ Moore is clearly the best, none of these three guys, I think, I don't think anybody would say they're like a plus wide receivers. I think DJ Moore is probably like an a minus B plus. And then Robbie Anderson, is like a B, B plus and Terrence Marshall is like a C or a C plus B minus. But those are all serviceable starters and they all complement each other perfectly because Robbie Anderson is that deep threat. Robbie Anderson is fast. He's long. Robbie Anderson cannot catch or keep his head on straight, but he can basically do everything else pretty well and he can run straight lines real well. So you're going to have Robbie Anderson stretching the field. You're going to have Terrence Marshall 
being a physical element that you basically can't one-on-one. So you're going to have safeties going with Robbie Anderson. You're going to have Terrence Marshall bodying corner. You're going to have DJ Moore getting open in space underneath. And God forbid all that's taken away. Christian McCaffrey's coming out of the backfield with room to run. That's dangerous. Yeah, I think McCaffrey, your your only worry is how many games he's going to play. But when he's on the field, no one can doubt how good he is and how much he adds to your offense with his versatility. Well, that's the other thing is Christian McCaffrey, and I've actually heard they're thinking about doing this, coming out of the draft, he was taken number nine, number 10. And people were saying, one of the reasons you might take him this high is because if you want, you could just make him a wide receiver. His ball skills are that good. His agility is that good. He's pretty long. He's about six foot. Like if you wanted to make him a wide receiver, he's still a first round player as a wide receiver. And with the injuries that have been piling up at running back and the fact that they have Chuba Hubbard and Dante Foreman, I've heard that they might be thinking about kicking McCaffrey outside a lot so that you could go Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, and Christian McCaffrey, to which I say, good fucking luck. That would be incredible. And then you could still have Chuba Hubbard in the backfield as a legitimate single back because he's pretty good and very fast. Yeah, I like him. I love him. He's very Darren McFadden to me in that he's fast and he might not be very agile, but if he gets going upfield, gone. I love Darren McFadden. That's really high praise. Darren McFadden is like the platonic version of that one cut runner. Because like, if you don't pay attention to agility, he's perfect. The height and the strength and the speed, the the agility was not there, but he didn't need it. Um, You know, I fell in love with Darren McFadden playing Madden in like middle school. Yep. (laughs) I think we all, and also his name. That's a great name. Chuba mm-hmm. Hubbard. On the cover. Chuba Hubbard, a good name. That is a good name. He was fun in college, too. He was great in college. Nobody fucking stayed up to watch. Um, <laughs> so we went through the top three wide receivers, and I'll gloss over them because this is all a little bit of projection, and it's a little bit of me just being strange and liking football too much. But they got Shy Smith, who came out of South Carolina last year as a six-round pick. My comparison for him was Debo Samuel because he's not that fast, but he's very strong, very good after the catch. Can't really catch that well but like he's a great gadget player get him a screen let him go um they got hollywood higgins who we talked about really savvy route runner ideal wide receiver too who just can't seem to get along with people yeah i will say his his separation got a lot worse last year i don't know it seemed like the whole team was kind of cursed a little bit because nobody could separate yep and he you know maybe just years of pissing off coaches got to him so hopefully he rebounds a little bit because he was a little bit worse last year on top of nobody wanting to play him hey i saw a carefully cropped video in which obj was open and separating all the fucking time and certainly none of those plays were after the pass had been thrown or away from the play or on a running play or any of that no he was definitely open in the first read on all of those plays thank you odell beckham senior who clearly is not a biased party um moving on Andre Roberts can hang like he played he had significant stabs for the Chargers a couple years ago and like he's not good but he exists in the NFL and belongs there unlike an Anthony Schwartz unlike a Jojo Natson unlike a Taiwan uh Taiwan Taylor Antonio Callaway just you know some players Bradley people that we're familiar with in uh watching Baker play and then finally, this is my guy, Brandon Zilstra tore up the CFL with the Calgary Stampeders in 2018. And uh, I made quite a bit of money betting on the Stampeders that summer because that was the summer I got into CFL football. And when he's gotten on the field, he's actually looked like not a bad slot. He is a small white guy who's quick. So maybe I, it, there could be some bias in that because he looks like a slot receiver. He looks like a Wes Welker. But when that's your fourth or fifth option, not bad. Yeah, he, he- 
give you a little pop here and there. Man, I just fucking love CFL players. Like, if you were good in the CFL, I believe so ardently that you'll be good in the NFL. And they rarely are. For every Cameron Wake, there's an Armand Armstead. But I believe. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to really get uh, any excitement out of Brandon Zelstra. I didn't know who he was until you explained. Maybe Um, slice and dice to him. uh, I don't know how much I'll even see the field. But you're right in that they have depth. They have guys that can play multiple uh, roles on the team. And they complement well. I think the biggest issue and biggest question, though, that anyone's going to talk about the Panthers is their offensive line. Because that was what really killed them last year. And they completely retooled it this offseason. And quietly. Like, nobody heard about it. Yeah, I completely missed that they signed Austin Corbett. But we can jump through, you know, guy to guy. How do you feel about uh, Iki Aquano? Yeah, let's just go straight down the depth chart. Um, Iki Aquano, if I knew Baker was going to Carolina, I would have hoped that they didn't pick him. I thought he was the worst of the three big tackles in this draft. I love Charles Cross. I like Evan Neal. Aki Aquanu is a great athlete and he will run block his ass off, but he gets a little confused in pass pro and he probably belongs at guard, a little stubby. Um, that being said, I think he will be at least an average left tackle. I think he might even be a pretty good one one day. Um, so I expect that to be at least a serviceable position for them. And frankly, he I don't think it'd be fucking crazy to say that Iki Aquanu on day one could be the best left tackle Baker Mayfield's ever had in the NFL. Because Jedrick Wills has not been above after. He's been fine. And a lot of that's his injury last year, I know. But the fact is, Baker has not had like a fucking blindside protecting stalwart at left tackle yet. So this is nothing new for him. Yeah, you're right. I mean, his first couple of years when he had the Greg Robinson experiment going on um, and then Jedrick Wills, where he had a pretty solid rookie year, but it was like solid for a rookie. It wasn't exceptional. Yeah, like I think um, that is, I think that is absolutely within the realm of possibility for Aki Aquanu's. Like as far as caliber goes, he could totally be that in his year. I agree. Um, because yeah, Jed was bad last year. He, he played through an ankle injury the entire time, but you could tell he was off. He he yeah. regularly just whiffed on guys, went the wrong way. He was bad last. Year. So I agree, Aki Aquanu. I don't think he's going to be a stud this year. I or he might never be a stud, but I think he he'll be solid for him. He's not going to be a detriment to that line. Totally agree. Um, the left guard, I'm actually I was really excited about last year. Brady Christensen out of BYU. He's from BYU, so he's like 33 years old as a second year player. Uh, he's actually 25, maybe 26. He's Joe Burrow age. Um, that was a slight. Um, N- noted Joe Burrow hater. Noted Joe Burrow hater Joe A. Joe A over Joe B. Um, Brady Christensen was fucking killer at BYU. I think he allowed Zach Wilson to get pressured like one time. And yes, their schedule was dog shit. And yes, he was like five years older than most of the people he was facing off against in pass rush reps. But he looked really good. He looked unstoppable. And last year in the NFL, one great. It was about replacement level. I think that he'll improve a little bit. And I like that he's playing inside consistently. I like that they're keeping him at guard because I think that the one thing you had to worry about with him is that he's a little, shall we say, um, he's not as powerful as you'd like him to be. So being able to get him in space, being able to put him in a phone booth and keep everything narrow for him will help him out a lot. And now I, I also think there's something... If Brady Christians your yeah, if Brady Christensen is your weak link, that's a lot better than counting on Brady Christensen to be your second or third best lineman because you're asking him to do a lot less. And I think that his performance will improve because of it. Mm-hmm. A little bit of projection, but he's a second year player going from BYU level talent to the NFL. Well, and here's the other thing. 
is God forbid he his game blows to hell. You've still got Pat Elfine as your swing guard. And Pat Elfine has shown us that he isn't good, but he can be a solid NFL guard. He can come in and not kill you. Solid's yeah. probably too generous a word, but he can be serviceable. Yeah. You know, he he's going to be the weak spot of your line, but he's not going to single-handedly kill it. He's no James Hudson. Tough. I still have hope for him, but I don't. Six foot three tackles with short arms don't work, especially when they played defensive tackle in the fucking AAC two years ago. Um, three years ago now. Um but he went to Michigan. Originally. He, I thought he was a D tackle at Michigan. And then when he went to Cincy, he was a tackle, uh, offense tackle the whole time. I thought he played one year of DT and they were like, eh. Oh, maybe. You could be right. I'm not sure. It doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter. That's not a not great story. Um, All right. Because Pat Alphine's probably the backup, that means the starting center is going to be Bradley Bozeman. A little bit of a journeyman type. Not well. No, that's not correct because he's really only played for Baltimore. But he was kind of like a backup swing interior lineman that got to start a lot last year due to injury. And he actually played well. He's He had problems snapping the ball a few times, but he was legitimately solid. Like, and not solid like Pat Elfine, like solid, like this is a B player. Yeah, I remember he had some snapping issues, but other than that, he typically graded out well and looked, you know, the the interior of their line was solid. They they functioned well enough. And that's, yeah. I don't know, it's hard to talk about centers. <laughs> it's hard to talk about centers and most starting centers actually are pretty decent. There's not a lot of starting centers who like suck and legitimately hinder your pass game because it's just not that kind of position. Um, most nose tackles aren't like really pushing the pocket unless of course you play Vita Vea twice a year, which could be a problem. But either way, Brad Bozeman's a solid center. Don't have to worry about it. And then we get to our old friend, Austin Corbett, who's probably the best offensive lineman on this team. He really might be, which is a testament to him because he really sucked in Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. But he, you know, they got him in LA and his game really flourished. I would say he was a B to B plus player in the last couple of years. Yeah. And it makes sense. It's what he was supposed to be. He's, yeah. he's got really good size. He He's athletic. He played well in college. Like he's it all so made sense quick. that he should be solid. He's so quick. He's He's not the strongest dude, but he's really quick and he's really sound. And I'm just trying to think of who they're going to play in the NFC South. Like, yeah, Vita Bay is going to eat everybody's lunch, but I'm not really afraid of like Raheem Nuchez. Roaches, Nacho uh, for the Bucks. Uh, the Saints have David Onyemata, but that's really it on the interior. Uh, I, I'm not except Grady Jarrett, but they do have Grady Jarrett, but that's kind of it. That's it. And you can it's double really him it. if you double him with either of those guards and a good center. It's going to be okay. Um, the one guy that kind of worries me, and you kind of need to come through, is right tackle Taylor Mo. Like he had moments where he looked like he could be a decent player last year. And his physical profile tells you, like, it's in there, but I don't trust it at all. So was last year the first year that he started? No. Or has he been around? I I honestly don't know much about Taylor. Last year, he was kind of their star player on the offensive line, which is saying nothing at all. Right. Um. Just looking at, look at PFF. He didn't play much as a rookie, but he started as a second year player. And he's had actually really solid PFF grades. I'm shocked. We're, we're talking high 70s every year. And then the last two years, about the 80s. Um, well, I've completely missed on him. I didn't even know. People... He's, he's a guy that people talk about a lot as like, is he actually good? Is Taylor Moten a legitimate tackle? Um, 
I think it'll be fine. PFF seems to think it'll be fine. And I actually do trust PFF with line play. Yeah, it's the one thing that I kind of just default to them on. Yeah, like with, with linemen, if you don't have an intimate knowledge, you can trust PFF. And he's got higher pass blocking grades than run blocking grades. Seems to be a legitimate pass blocker. As an athlete, he's a fucking gigantic man who's not very fast and is very strong. Makes sense that he's a good pass blocking tackle. Like, where is the hole? You know, I, I think that you can say that their their tackles are solid B tackles, maybe better probably about a b their guards between corbett and christensen are probably an average of a b and they've got a b center like this is perfectly fine yeah i think your only issue is that like all of these guys should play like this but as soon as you know one of them shits the bed because it's five guys that have played decent or should play decent based off their profiles but none of them are stars or guys that have done it for years outside of apparently taylor moton and corbett has kind of blossomed in the last two years but also it is sean McVay magic right and that's always a concern so it is a, a lot of projection and that's i think the the biggest area that things could kind of crumble and I don't like that for Baker because I actually think Baker can do more with bad playmakers and a good line compared to a bad line and good playmakers because I think it makes him feel more comfortable. I'm actually glad you said that because I think the exact opposite. Really? Well, we haven't seen him with good playmakers. We've seen him with great offensive lines and it doesn't seem to make too much of a difference. We saw him, his best t- his best play arguably came when his line was at its worst, both his rookie year and when injuries hit towards the end of his third year. Well, 2020, their line was very healthy the whole year. I thought in the playoffs, they lost Conklin for a little while. They, yeah, in the playoffs, they were hurt, but for most of the season, because I, shit, I think in the playoffs, Jed got hurt and Conklin was out. Um, Or no, I think it was Jed was hurt and then uh, one of the guards was out. It was Teller. It was Teller. Yeah. But they were, for the for the most part that year, that was when they were really healthy and Batonio and Teller were absolute monsters. But then in the playoffs, they had an injured line and he played fucking sick. Yeah, but their playmakers also suck. I think it's if he feels comfortable in the pocket, it changes everything for him. Because I think the mental game is his biggest obstacle. Yeah. And 2019 was when he did not trust his tackles whatsoever. And he ran around so much and just tried to play like, fuck it, I'm going to roll out. I'll find something downfield and chuck it. And that was when he was throwing all the picks. That whole year was a shit show. But I think it, having faith in his offensive line is big for him. I think no matter how you cut it, as far as players go, he's probably in the best spot he's been in because the receivers are clearly the best he's had. And the offensive line is not the best he's had, but it's solid. And aside from 2020, he's never been able to say that. In 2020, his offensive line was elite, but his playmakers sucked. So I'll take a B offensive line with B-plus receivers over an A offensive line and C-plus receivers. Honestly, I think C-plus receivers is generous for that year, but I agree <laughs> with you. I think the, because the line, it's not going to be to the point that he's worried about it, assuming the guys play generally where we expect them to. None of them crash and burn. Um, and having such an upgrade in playmakers, because he has you know three legitimate guys that have had success, like real success in the league, and then a bunch of dudes that are good role players and should continue to grow. I don't know. I, I think it's a good situation for him uh, in terms of the guys playing on the field with him. That is a perfect segue to talk about Ben McAdoo being a fuck and Matt Rule being a drooling idiot. 
However, first I want to say the tight ends are more of what Baker has had, which is not so good. But that's okay. Yeah, didn't they didn't they give Ian Thomas a big contract too? They may have. I know that they were really high on Tommy Tremble at the beginning of last year, traded Dan Arnold, who's a solid tight end, and then Tommy Tremble proceeded to continue being Tommy Tremble. So they could use a tight end, but it's not it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. Ian Thomas did not get a big contract. They do have him for the next three years. Well, these are small mistakes to be overcome. At least they didn't give him like $230 million guaranteed to not play for a year and be okay when he does. Um, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know about not play for a year, but that is a topic for later. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a different pod. Um, ben McAdoo, what, what, are, what are your thoughts on his tenure with the Giants, if you remember college, which I understand if you don't. <laughs> And specifically the uh, the Ben McAdoo years of the New York Giants. Um, I mean, I just remember he was underwhelming. His offense was kind of in that, like, not exactly Adam Gase style, but a little bit like just checking down, get the ball out quick. And I don't love that, especially in today's NFL. I'm hoping it was partially a product of Eli Manning just being old, not having an arm anymore. Which was a thing. Right. But I, I think that might be giving Ben McAdoo too much credit? Let, let's start with some positives. I went through his play calling in, in New York with the Giants, and uh, one positive is that every year they were, I think, top five, if not top five, damn near it, uh, in passing attempts in the NFL. So they threw the ball a lot, and that's good. How far were they throwing downfield, though? You know, I, 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 didn't, I didn't say. Um, I think they were averaging about 6.7 yards per attempt, which is not great. That's Those are some uh, shallow tight end numbers oh great um but they did they did throw for a large amount of yards uh it was over four thousand yards passing each year for eli and you know what if baker throws for over four and a half thousand yards because you had that extra game i think people will be very high on because his completion percentage will be high he'll have a lot of yards and people will say Ooh. um i agree with you additionally apparently last year and the year before ben mcadoo was working with dallas cowboys as their assistant offensive coordinator Apparently, he had a very large role in Kellen Moore's game planning, and we know that Kellen Moore is a really good play caller who doesn't change, he doesn't adjust very much. He kind of sticks with the plan. So if Ben McAdoo is helping him make that plan, maybe Ben McAdoo had a large input, or at least a helpful one. Additionally, apparently the Cowboys were really high on Ben McAdoo's contributions, and had Kellen Moore been hired away as a head coach, McAdoo was slated to be the replacement at OC. Really? That is surprising. That is what they say. Apparently, he's gotten really big on play action since leaving the Giants, and he has become, quote-unquote, more aggressive with throwing downfield. And a man whom I think is a pretty damn good football mind, the Moonlight Swami on Twitter, was uh, he was waxing poetically about thoughts of Ben McAdoo's 2014 offense with the Giants, his first year there with Eli, where they were much more aggressive throwing downfield before Eli turned into what we saw from Big Ben these last few years. So, old noodle arm. There is some reason for hope that, you know, maybe even if they don't produce a good offense, they will at least produce a statistically attractive offense so that Baker can throw the box score thing around and people can like that. And then I can be slandered again when I turn on Baker for having sick box scores. 
Um, on the negative side, they run a lot of three wide dinks and dunks. They love screens and slants. At least the Giants did towards the end with Ben McAdoo. Well, two-step quick hitters, one-step quick hitters, occasionally a three-stepper, no seven-step drops, few five-step drops, not going downfield. Don't know how the fuck that works with Robbie Anderson, but at least they'll have a lot of receivers spread out because Baker does work a lot better with a lot of receiving options. I, um, I agree. I'm not in love with it because then you also have to factor in the Matt Rule factor, which is he wants to run that fucking ball. He wants to run Generally. that fucking ball like he wants to eat a donut, like he wants to drool on his bib, like he wants to lose his NFL job with a shitty team by drafting seven defensive players in his first draft. Like he yeah, wants. Yeah, I mean, we might be able to talk ourselves into Ben McAdoo a little bit. I there is no world in which I talk myself into Matt Rule, who I pray to God just for the sake of the NFL is not coaching at this year. I'm worried that Baker will save his job and then, out of sheer loyalty, will stick with the Panthers and continue to be mediocre forever. But yeah, well. I saw reports that uh, the Panthers have assured Matt Corral that this is not a future move moving forward. However, I don't think that really means anything. I also saw a report that it's Sam Darnold's starting job to lose. And I think a lot of that shit's going to change the second they see Baker Mayfield throw a football in in camp. And they're like, whoa, you're allowed to hit the receiver with it? (laughs) Really? You can... Can throw a ball more than 45 yards downfield with some accuracy? Holy shit. They're also just, they're really in for it with uh, Matt Corral when he shows up to training camp and balls are hitting the coaches in the nuts because he has no fucking control whatsoever. Yeah, or I like, don't really expect him to be there. No. Or like when they're like, oh, okay, Matt, here's a play. And he's like, wait, I don't understand. It's not play action and I'm not throwing to the only wide receiver running a route. How does this work? Because all he ever did was throw RPOs and not even particularly well. Um, Yeah, I... <laughs> I'm not in love with the Panthers, but I think that there's a way for them to be decent. Now the issue yeah. is they're in a way tougher division than the AFC North. Yeah. I mean, obviously the Bucs have been on top of the NFL or damn near at the last couple of years. And if they're not I'm the best, still there. if they're not the best, they're the second. And then you have the Saints who are, you know, kind of going through a little, a little bit of a rebuild and, you know, no more Sean Payton and going to see what Jameis has. To the, extent, um, to the extent that the Saints are worse this year than they were last year, it'll only be on offense because they lost their play caller but I wasn't that impressed with Sean Payton's play calling these last couple years I thought that it was just because Drew Brees was castrating him. Turns out he did the same shit with Jameis. So maybe it was just Sean Payton. Um, they did lose Tron Armstead. That will suck, but their offensive line is still really good. Um, mm-hmm. I'm more worried about the fact that their defense is just swarming. Marshawn Lattimore is an elite or maybe near elite cornerback. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's an elite slot cover guy. Oh, but they did That's lose Marcus deal. Williams. They lost Marcus Williams. That's big. Oh, but they got Tyron Matthew. Oh. Okay, so they're going to be still really good on defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, Paulson Adebo is, I really like him as a uh, second corner for them. He certainly acquitted himself and he's a big boy. Yeah, no, they're going to be good. They're going to be good. Their pass rush leaves something to be desired. I don't like their defensive line. I think Cam Jordan is fucking dunzo. And I think that, uh, what's his name? UTSA guy was never anything to begin. Davenport. Yep. Marcus Davenport was never anything. He was a 40 time and some height. Then they draft Peyton Turner. Another they did. Guy that... But again, what the fuck is he? If they're smart, he's a defensive tackle and he's an okay one. If they're not, he's a shitty defensive end. Yep. I thought he'd be a solid three tech, but if they try and put him at the end, I think he's set up failure. Well, the problem with him being a three tech is also that he's just so long. He's six foot like six. Is he that tall? I thought he was like six four, but I'm... I do get him confused with Logan Hall because they're the same player from the same school in back-to-back years. They're in 
incredibly similar. Peyton Turner is 6'6". Nailed it. Damn, all over it. 6'6", 269 pounds. That's that's a tough ask at defensive tackle, and he's not athletic enough to be a defensive end. He's fucked. He's nothing. Yeah, you, man, you haven't put on 20 pounds. I think he's a great D tackle. But I don't but, think they're going to do that. But they're not doing it. They they want him to play D. And then the Falcons, who um, I buy into every year. Yeah, I mean, I still think the Falcons, they, they got better, but they're still just, they're not. They're, they have a long way to go. Marcus Mariota just stole the torch out of Baker's fucking hand when it comes to having absolutely no receiving help. I mean, he's going to have some tall guys that gonna have are Drake London and and what's his name? Number eight. Um, fucking big dude. Kyle, for Pitts. Us. Kyle Pitts. I wanted to call him Waller. It's not Waller. Um, they don't even play similar. Darren Waller is a freak and Kyle Pitts is just tall and long. Yeah, Kyle Pitts athletic. I like him. I mean, I think he he should be really good. But yeah, he'll be top 10 tight end for sure. But yeah, so realistically though, in the division, you've got two teams. Well, one team that is, you know, way better than the Panthers. Awesome team. And and particularly a good, confusing defense. Yeah. Which is unfortunate for Bay. Yeah. And then you have the Saints who their offense might kind of suck this year, but their defense should be really good again. And it's again, confusing and coverage centric. So Baker won't be under much pressure versus the Saints, but he will be confused because even Brady is. Yeah. It's not ideal for him, but then I think he gets kind of a break playing the Falcons. Who... Personnel's not as good, but Dean Pease. <laughs> you, you 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 spouted about Dean Pease all last year, and the Falcons were the Falcons. Hey, he, he made AJ he Terrell is not a, a magician. He made AJ Terrell a superstar, like I thought he'd be. And didn't they draft another corner too? No, but they signed Casey Hayward. Ah, uh, yes. Who old but still good. Old but good. Although, dude, I they have no talent on this defense. Oh, actually, okay. <laughs> it's not a good defense. I, I like Eddie Goldman at nose tackle. I love Brady Jarrett. I like Lorenzo Carter off the edge. And that's where it ends. Who the fuck is Michael Walker? Rashawn Evans sucks. Nick Kwiatkowski can't run. What is a Taekwon Graham, and why is he playing edge? Arnold Ebiketti should be playing edge, but not particularly well. It's yeah, it's Richie, a rough team. Richie Grant and Eric Harris in the safeties. Mm, that's Pease. that's rough. Dean Pease can do some things, but he can't do those things. Um, yeah, so I feel like that kind of wraps us up on what what his competition is going to be like. Do you have any you know kind of final thoughts on your feelings about it? Because it's been a whirlwind of uh, a run for. Baker the last few months and then we finally have some clarity and can get a little excited about it. It's uh it's a little bittersweet because he's gonna I think personally he'll put up good, not amazing stats. Um his efficiency numbers will be pretty high and analytics Twitter will fall in love with him again. They'll win about 10 games. They'll probably narrowly miss the playoffs. They might squeak in and he'll get another starting job, but nobody's going to be like handing the keys to the franchise over to him. And it'll kind of just be a, a purgatory year of everybody being like, okay, Baker is definitely a top 15 quarterback. I don't know if he can be great. Let's see. We'll bring him in as like a Teddy Bridgewater type. And then you just got to hope that he catches on to the right team that needs a quarterback. Yeah, I don't know if they'll quite win 10 games. I would probably go like eight or nine just because I think Matt Rule will lose them a couple. I don't count on Christian McCaffrey to play more than half the season. And I, you know, they, they have a tough division. They have some, I think they play the NFC West this year too. So they're going to have to play the Rams. They're going to have to play the 49ers who have a pretty solid defense and they're going to come after him. So I think they have some tough games as well. Um, But everything else I agree. And I think personally Baker will have a pretty solid year. I don't think he 
he has with that line and the coaching. I don't think he's it has a situation to have an incredible year, especially because I think he's going to be kind of like building himself back up a little bit. But I think he'll have a good year and he'll have opportunities to start, but not, you know, people throwing $40 million at him and a four year deal or whatever. Um, you know, I this definitely got me kind of back in the excitement for the season because I was, you know, losing the Browns as a it has taken a little bit of the wind out of my sails. So I'm excited for this because it gives me at least something that I like have some attachment to. Um, and it's another thing that we have no idea how it's going to turn out, but it should be fun. I'm excited. Even if it sucks a little bit, it should be, it should be interesting. I'm not going to let you stop me. I'm going to go on a quick rundown of all their wins. Week one Browns win. Week two Giants win. Week three Saints, half a win, two and a half. Cardinals, that's probably a loss, sticking at two and a half. 49ers, call it a half. We're at three. Rams, that's not a win. Buccaneers, Jesus Christ, what a fucking row. Uh, Falcons, call it a win. Let's go four. Bengals, call it a half win, four and a half. Falcons again, half win because I'm high on the Falcons. Five and a half. Ravens, that's probably a loss. Um, Broncos, that's probably a loss. Seahawks, that's a fucking win, six and a half. Steelers, that's probably a win, seven and a half. Lions, eight and a half. Buccaneers, yikes. Maybe they'll be resting. <laughs> no. Uh, we're stuck at eight and a half. And then the Saints, I'll give them a half. That's nine. Fuck. Okay, nine. Who said eight wins. to nine? Who said eight to nine? Also, you added a half win. <laughs> Uh, you added a half win with uh, you went oh, from four and a half said oh that's a half win and said five and a half oh, so wow. we're at eight and a half wins <laughs> um, yeah I mean I think this, there are some of those games they could win obviously we we had a good amount of toss ups in there I feel like that first Saints game is probably rough for them just because that's a tough defense to go play against when you're on week three where even though their offense is a little bit of a shit show they've at least played together but they got a new coach they do, but it's he Dennis Allen who's been there forever. He should not be coaching. I mean, I agree, but he, I feel like, you know, he's been with the team and they love him so much that I it's feel like he's just going to come in and do status quo shit. Whereas, you know, the Panthers are, they have a completely new offensive line, essentially. They have a new quarterback, a new offensive coordinator. Like they have a lot of movement that I think it's tough for them to pull out tough games early. But week, we'll see, man. This is a fun week one versus Miles Garrett and Jadevian Clowney will be fun. Yeah, that's really tough, but. But the Browns are fucking horrible in week one. And I think Kevin Stefanski's laissez-faire attitude about training is part of the reason they continue to suck in week one. Also, Jacoby Brissett. Um, All right. I think I think we turned this quick hitter into a very long hitter. This is a seven-step dropper. But there you go. We broke down the Baker Mayfield trade and everything revolving around it. Yeah, probably way more than anybody else wants, but this was only like a quarter of our feelings on the topic, but probably the most pertinent ones. Yeah. So with that, um, we're going to sign off and do, do the real podcast now. Asta. Awesome.